Uh, we've been going through Philippians. If you haven't been with us, uh, then that's information to you. If you have been with us, it's been probably about two and a half months. So we've been going through Philippians, and everyone's like, yeah, we know. Thanks, thanks, Pastor Aaron. Um, the final chapter, chapter four, has had a really clear theme so far, and that's peace. And I just want to take a second to appreciate how meaningful peace is. Because peace is a lack of conflict. It's a, it's, it's the, uh, it's a lack of fighting. Uh, it means freedom from disturbance. But those kinds of conflicts and fighting, those disturbances are everywhere we look. Everywhere. Turn on the news. Go on Facebook. Walk around a little bit. Conflict everywhere. People disagreeing all the time. Strife. It's just everywhere. And it's always been like that. So I think we have a tendency to look at, at uh, our current situation and say, oh my gosh, it's, it's never been this bad. And people that have been around for longer would say, oh yes, it has. Oh yes, it has. It's always been bad. I mean, we're blessed in a lot of ways. But conflict is just perpetual because we live in, in a broken world. There's a, um, a pastor friend of mine who's a, a pastor in the Philippines. And on Facebook this week, he, he posted and he said, um, he, it was some quote and from some author. And it said that, you know, the, the problems that we perceive in the world uh, might, you know, are, are not really problems. They're just, um, they're, it's just a... a you know, a matter of, of perspective. And, and I normally don't comment on stuff on Facebook because if I start, I will never stop. Um, but I made a comment to him because he's a pastor. And I said, you know, no, there actually are problems in the world because of sin. You know, we live in a broken world. We just do. It's, it, it, it's, it's just part of what we live with. But peace, peace is the alternative to that. And I find that more and more when I pray, I find myself asking God for peace in my prayers. When someone is sick, when I go and see someone in the hospital, um, I see their, their body as wrestling through some kind of conflict. And when I pray for them, I, I pray for, for healing, but in praying for healing, I'm praying for peace in their body. I'm praying that whatever conflict is happening in their body would stop, and that there would be peace in their body. When a relationship is hurting, I see that relationship as existing in some sort of a, a state of conflict, and so I pray that their relationship would have peace. When someone's hurting financially, of course, I pray that God would pro- continue to provide for their needs, but I also pray that, they, that their hearts would have peace, to trust Him. But conflict, conflict is everywhere we look, and I think the more we see it, the more we need to see opportunities for peace and to pray for peace and to make peace in the middle of conflict. Because peace is powerful. Conflict is everywhere, but peace is powerful. Dr. Robert Oppenheimer, who supervised the creation of the, the first A-bomb, he appeared before a congressional committee where they asked him if there's any defense against the weapon that he'd created. 
Dr. Oppenheimer said, certainly. And that is, the physicist looked over the hushed expectant committee and he softly said, peace. The only defense against the atomic bomb is peace. And it works. Conflict is everywhere, but peace is truly powerful. And for Paul, he's experienced more than his share of conflict and hardship. We've talked about that. But he lives in a peace that goes beyond just an end to conflict. He lives in the conflict. He lives in that situation, but his peace is supernatural. He's not at peace. He's not in peace, but he's at peace, if that makes sense. And that's the peace of God, the peace that Paul describes as being something that surpasses our understanding. Two weeks ago, we talked about interpersonal peace. We talked about peace uh, in relationships. Last week, we talked about peace in times of trouble. And this morning, we're going to continue to go through this letter to the church in Philippi, and we're going to be talking about peace of mind. So if you have a Bible or a phone, you can open it or turn it on. You'll find Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. If you're using the Bibles that we provide under the chairs, it's on page 982. Does, does peace of mind sound to you like a fairy tale? Peace of mind. It's like, I feel like whenever I, I hear that phrase, I'm, 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 I'm hearing a commercial on TV or something uh, where someone is telling you about a pill <laughs> that you can take and you can finally have peace of mind or, or something that you have to do where you cross your legs and uh, breathe deeply or shallowly or something and, you know, um, hum things and sort of zone out and forget who you are or where you are. That's the way to find peace is just to sort of run away from, every, from everything. Peace of mind in a world that's so crazy, it, it seems like it might just be an illusion. But Paul, through God's inspiration, has some really practical instructions for those of us who desire to have peace of mind. So we're going to read, this is Philippians 4, verse 8. He says, finally, brothers, by the way, let me just stop there. If you've ever heard a pastor say, and in conclusion, and then keep going and keep going, we get it from here. He's at the beginning of the chapter, so it's biblical next time you get concerned about it. Okay, it says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. A big part of my job when I preach is to take what's happening in the Bible, what's happening in God's Word, which was written a very long time ago, and make sure that we understand what it meant and what it means today in our world, in our life, is to take this to sort of unpack it and talk about what it means for us. There's not a lot of explaining needed to understand what Paul is saying in this passage. I could pretty much stop right now. But it's too early. Finally, 
whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, those are the things that you should think about. Think about those things. The world is full of things to think about. But if we want peace, peace of mind, the Bible tells us to think about these things. The Bible tells us to fill our minds with things that are described here as true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and praiseworthy. Paul's assumption here is that you have an ability to choose. Amen? You can choose what you spend your time thinking about. You can choose what you focus on. You can choose to think about things that are true, or you can choose to focus on things that are false. You can choose to think about things that are honorable and just, or you can choose to think about injustice. And I think the first step to being here, to doing this, to being able to really focus on the things that are true and honorable and just and pure and lovely, the first step, and you can write this down, is stop fixating on the things that bother you. The things that stress you out, the things that make you worry, the things that make you panic even. It's like the old joke, and I'm not even sure that it's an old joke. I just heard it so many times. When the guy walks into the doctor and says, doctor, it hurts when I do this, and the doctor says, well, stop doing it. Problem solved. Why do, we, why do we worry so much about, why do we fixate and spend so much time thinking about the things that make us worried, the things that bother us, the things that, that cause us trouble and that, that, that stir us up in, in, a, in a negative way? Why, why do we do that? It's not healthy, is it? It's not healthy, we know that. But does that make us stop? It doesn't. Have you noticed maybe in your own life that the people who are always complaining about stuff are unhappy? Now, you might say, duh, but just follow me. It is not because they have more stuff to complain about. Paul has a lot to complain about. He's in prison, but he's not complaining about it. Just because you have things to complain about doesn't mean you're going to be unhappy. Um, there was a there was a book that was on Liz's desk for uh, for a couple days, a couple weeks ago, and I think the title was um, I think the title was um, "Pain is Unavoidable, but Misery is a Choice." And then it says something like, "So put a geranium in your hat and be happy," or something like that. Um, and I kept noticing it because it was, it was just an interesting title, but I thought, that's, it's right. You can go through everything that you're going to go through in life, but how you respond to that, what you think about it, is that that's your choice. For some reason, we fixate on the things that bother us. Why do we do that? Why do we focus so much on the bad stuff? When you're driving past an accident on the street, what's everyone doing? 
you slow down in your rubber neck, right? You look to see the destruction, the wreck. You want to see it, don't you? You want to see it, don't you? I do too. But why is that? Why are we drawn toward, toward that, the, the wreck and the conflict? I was, uh, there was a piece that NBC News did called The Science Behind Why We Can't Look Away from Tragedy. Do you want to know why? They, they asked a clinical psychologist and he explained, and I'm, I'm quoting him, a disaster enters into our awareness, and this can be from a live source like driving by a traffic accident or from watching a news report about a hurricane, a plane crash, or some sort of disaster, he explains. This data from our perceptual system, what we're, what we're, what we're experiencing from this perceptual system, then stimulates the amygdala. See, you were wondering, weren't you? What part of the brain is stimulated when I see something that's disastrous? It stimulates the amygdala, the part of the brain responsible for emotion and survival tactics and memory. The amygdala then sends signals to the regions of the frontal cortex that are involved in analyzing and interpreting data. Next, the brain evaluates whether this data, awareness of this disaster, is a threat to you, thus judgment gets involved, and as a result, the fight-or-flight response is evoked. You're welcome. In other words, conflict, seeing it in the world, stimulates our brain. And our bodies want to feel, they crave to feel the fight or flight response. So we are always on the lookout for reasons to panic about things. It is a part of our human condition, our fallen human condition that we look for reasons to be worried. We look for things that bother us, and we fixate on those things. They sometimes provide a, a sort of comforting blanket for us because sometimes our troubles provide us a, a level of comfort, and that is really broken. But we know people that are like that. We know people that are like that. Some people love the attention that problems bring them. It's what the theologian Julia Michaels calls the glory of all our problems. That you get attention for all of the things that are going wrong in your life, so you fixate on them, and you want to talk about them all the time. But, oh, it's, oh, this is hard, and this is hard, and this hard. But when you talk about it a lot, it really does, it brings you down. It brings the people around you down too because if they, then there's nothing that they can do about it. They can pray for you, but if you're always going back to the things that bother you, where's peace? So Paul says, instead of fixating on the things that bother you, he says, think about the good things. Think about whatever's true, whatever's honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and worthy of praise. Even on the surface, even superficially, he's right, isn't he? If you think about the things that are good in life, you'll be less stressed, won't you? If every time something happens, if you choose to look on the bright side, that's called optimism. Optimism works, but it's superficial. It can make you less stressed out 
but it's just touching the surface. And I don't think that's what Paul is talking about because there's more. It's not just superficial. When you look closely at it, what's interesting about the list, true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and worthy of praise, that is a list that is drawing a picture of God. So Paul says, stop fixating on the things that are bothering you all the time. If you want peace in your heart, if you want peace of mind, stop always thinking about and going back to the things that, are, that, that you take issue with. Instead, focus on the things that are, that are godly, where you see God moving in your life. Look at those things. Those are the things that are true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and worthy of praise. So instead of fixating on the problems, write this down, dwell on the Lord. Find God in every situation and see what he's doing and then think about that. If that sounds familiar to you, it's because you've been here the last couple weeks. It's the same idea that came up at the very beginning of chapter four when he told those two women who were fighting, he told them to agree in the Lord. And he told their church to always find reasons to rejoice in the Lord. Paul's being really consistent here. He's telling the Philippians to make everything, even their thoughts, about the Lord. So when, we, when something comes up, when, when we are going through life, instead of fixating on all the troubles that are out there, dwell on what God is doing. Because what God is doing in your life, what his goals are, what he's pushing you toward, those are things that are going to bring you peace. Even Paul in prison, if God sent him to prison, he's not looking at prison and fixating on how horrible it is. He's looking at prison and he's saying, but I've had chances to share the gospel. The gospel is, is, is is going wild while I'm in prison. This is great. And he's looking at the guards and he's sharing the gospel with the guards. And he's, he's, he's sending all these, he's like, hey, now I've got some free time. I'm going to write all these letters. He's, that's not just optimism. That's looking for what is God doing right now? Why am I here and how can I honor God while I'm here? If we can do that, we'll have peace of mind. We'll have peace of mind. Dwell on the Lord in every situation. When we make it about us, We come away with problems and conflict. But when we make it about Jesus, we find peace because Jesus is always doing good things for us. And in this case, in this passage, the passage tells us to guard our thoughts by thinking the things that honor Jesus. Choose to find Jesus at work and spend your mental energy there dwelling on the Lord. But honestly, I could say that over and over again. Like I said, This passage is pretty simple. Think about the things that are honoring to Jesus. Amen? But really, I I, I don't want to just talk about it. I want to show you what that looks like. Uh, Last week, we had a staff meeting, staff and leadership meeting, and um, I read this passage, and and I told everyone at the staff meeting, guys, the passage this week is super simple, but I don't want to just talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. Maybe you would think that that's fun if I just keep talking about it and talking about it. I want to, I, but I want to show everyone what this is like to, to look at what's going on and see Jesus at work. And so I asked 
um, everyone to think about something in the church that is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and praiseworthy. To see something and to think about uh, where, where we see Jesus moving in the church. And then I've asked some of them to come up and, and share what, they, what their, their takeaway is. So um, I got a microphone right here. So if you want to, if I've talked to you already and you want to come up and share, get up here. Let me share some things that you're seeing in the church, things that are honoring to Jesus. So if you're thinking because I'm the youth pastor that I'm going to talk about youth, you're wrong. Uh, I'm going to talk about children's church because uh, before my wife and I came here with our kids, uh, we were at a church that didn't have a very good children's program, and my children began to dislike going to church. And since we've been here, they're excited. They love coming to church. They ask us every Sunday, you know, are we going? Like it's an option, right? Uh, the thing they love most, and this is the thing that busts my heart the most, is my oldest, who is, um, how old is he? He's almost 11, uh, told me last week how much he loves um, reading the Bible in church. And that just blesses my heart. That's a praise God. Say praise God. So as your worship leader, I get a pretty unique perspective that most of you don't get. And that basically is that I get a glimpse of heaven every Sunday, every time we gather during our worship hour, because we're not just one person with one unique um, set mind. We are a big group of, a growing group of multiple backgrounds, ethnicities, ages. How many people can say that they have nine decades worth of of life in their church that worships every week. We get to just join in, and that's what heaven's going to be like. We're all going to be different, but we're all coming together united with one purpose, and that's to praise God. Praise God. So I've been coordinating the SHINE program, outreaching to Monzano High School across the street. And this I, is Brittany, by the yeah, way. Yeah, hi, Brittany I'm runs, Brittany. Brittany runs SHINE to- <laughs> Our outreach to Manzano. Um, And I have been shocked because there's a public school asking us for help, coming to us with ways that they want us on their campus. They are happy to see me and Pastor Aaron and other volunteers that I drag with me to help hand out food to their families, to go to their staff meetings and uplift their staff who have had a horrible year with being downtrodden. And we have been loving our neighbors in a place that I thought the church would never be allowed to go. But through God, we are there. Praise God. Every week, there's a group of people from this church that have the incredible blessing and honor of going to Chelwood Elementary and teaching 50-plus children about God's love and about forgiveness of sin through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Praise God. And so the problem is hungry children. And praise God, the solution is feeding them. And so we're doing that from this church. And we fed 54 kids for the weekend the last time we delivered snack bags. And you're welcome to join us. The next time we're packing is the 29th of this month. So please do that. Thank you for your love, your prayerful support, your financial contributions. 
The kids are so precious, and they thank you, too. Praise God. Thank you. Wow, I was trying to think of one thing that I was just excited about at this church. There's so many things, but two things I want to mention. Number one is our Sunday school classes. We've got some, first of all, some awesome teachers who really love what they do in teaching. But something I've noticed is these classes are anointed. You know, as it says, when two or more are gathered, Jesus is with us, right? And every time we do a class, there's something in the subject of that class that hits somebody right where they need to hear it. That's not a teacher teaching. That's God ordaining that, that message, and that's a phenomenal thing. But the other thing that really just excites me about this church, other than the fact that, what, 80% of us actually go to Sunday school, which is unusual. I know some churches just want to get 50% to go, but we got 80%. But the greatest thing is this is a church that prays. And the power of the prayer from this church, I mean, we've witnessed it. I've seen people healed. I've seen people who have, you know, drugged themselves out of being at the bottom, all because of the way we embraced them in prayer and brought them up. Even those who have lost ones, you know, they know that they have a place to go where they're going to feel comfort. They're going to feel that peace that passes all understanding because of the powerful prayer from this church. And by the way, guys, you need to join us on Tuesday morning at 7 o'clock for our prayer time. But we really love the prayer in this church. Amen. Praise God. Last Saturday we had a, uh, not yesterday, but before we had a leadership meeting. And I'm honored to be on that. It's a chance for uh, several of the men in the church to, to lift up our pastor. To pray for him and to you know, give him a little sage advice, as we're all older than him. Uh, but on on Saturday, he kind of challenged me with something that was going on about about Sunday school and about everything really that we do here. If what we're doing isn't bringing us closer to God, if what we're doing isn't teaching us about the God that we say we serve, we're missing out. We're, we're spinning our wheels. We're wasting our time. So I challenged my class this morning. When we finish this day, is there something that we can look back at? When we finish this class, is there something we can look back on that says, yeah, I didn't know that before. And I feel like I, I know Jesus a little better, or I know God the Father a little better than I did when I sat down. And I think we did. And that's my challenge to you. You've got a responsibility on that, too. When you're sitting there in the chairs, when you're sitting in your classroom, it's not just on the pastor. It's not just on the teacher. You've got to seek to get something. We can grow. We can be more like Jesus. Amen. Praise God. God's, God is moving at this church. And Bill's right. We have about 80% of our church that's involved in a Sunday school class. That's a praise God. Um, last week, 138 people visited our website. 
just last week, 15 people listened to a sermon. We were able to, uh, to raise and send about $4,500 uh, to Mission New Mexico to support local church plants, local ministries. And that wasn't our goal, but that is what Jesus led us to do. And that's the goal. Amen? Um, this week on Wednesday, I got to share the gospel with a young lady who's, who's, who's joined us this morning. She gave her life to Jesus just on Wednesday. That's a praise God, guys. If you can't see God moving, open up, look around. Choose to not fixate on, on the things that, that you don't like. Choose to see God at work, and you'll find peace there. Because uh, he's the prince of peace, amen? That's what he does. It's his thing. And uh, one day he will restore ultimate peace for us um, in heaven. And that's our hope. That's our hope. We don't, our hope isn't, you know, my hope isn't that, that, you know, five years from now, this, this church will be um, healthier and more like Jesus than it is today. That is one of my hopes. But, but the thing that gives me hope is that Jesus is still Lord and that I belong to him and he's going to win. That's, that's our hope. And that's focusing on the things that are honoring to Jesus, and that's seeing where he's at work in the church. I was asked last week um, to speak at the state convention for Southern Baptists, and, and, and I declined, but it was because other people in our community are seeing God at work in this church. I hope you see that too. I hope you see that too. But it's not just in the church. It's in our lives. It's in our world. It's in our relationships. If we can see what Jesus is doing, we see everything as an opportunity to grow in him, to be more like him, and to be at peace with whatever situation where we find ourselves, with whatever situation God and his sovereignty has led us into. Choose to set your mind on the good things, and you'll find Jesus there. And then, in verse 9, Paul takes the next step from thinking about goodness to acting on it. And he says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. It's not just about thinking the right things. It's not about just having the right mindset. That's important. But it's about, it's about setting your thoughts on the things of heaven, setting your thoughts toward Christ, and then practice those things. Live those things out. It's a reminder for us that, that we aren't just taking something in. We're supposed to pour something out. God gives us so that we can give. He, sh- he shows us his love so that we can show love in this world practice those things. But if, if when you, we look at our lives, if all we're seeing coming out is, not all, but if a lot of what, what's coming out looks a lot like what's in the world already, how are we supposed to be that bright light if we look just like everyone else looks in this world? So practice these things, the things that honor God. 
And that's Paul's point, is take all of this and live it out. And if you do, the God of peace will be with you. One of the big things that I've taken away from this passage for my own life is that peace is a gift from God, but it's built on my choices. With, with peace of mind, I want to focus my thoughts on the things that are honoring to God. I really do. I want to focus on all the things that I see God doing, and I don't want to focus on, on anything else. But if I spend my time around the things that aren't honoring to God, that's going to be awfully difficult. Do you know what I'm talking about? I want to be focused on what is God doing here? What is God doing here? What is God doing here? But if I place myself in a certain, in, in, surround myself with things that are, that are, that are, that are not honoring to God, I, I can still find God there, but it's hard. And it's harder and it's harder and it's harder. And eventually, and eventually I won't be able to. So for me, and this is just for me, I know that if I scroll through Facebook for more than about five minutes, I'm going to find stuff that makes my blood boil. And it is hard for me to walk away from that feeling totally at peace with Jesus. I'm just being honest. If I watch the news for more than about 30 minutes, I know that for me, I, it's hard for me to walk away from that going, oh yeah, Jesus is in control, all right. It's hard. We have to be careful about what comes in. We can't spend all of our time looking at the things that are, that are destructive and, and, and looking at the, the wreck as, as we drive by. We can't focus all of our attention there because you can still find something that God is doing there but it's just gonna, it'll grade at you. So you, we can control what comes into our mind. And if we do that, we can have more peace of mind. It's just about being smart about it. What are you gonna spend your time looking at? What do you, who are you gonna spend your time talking to? The people that, are, the people that, 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 that create problems and that are always pointing at issues? The news, it's almost their job to point at all of the problems that are going on in the world. In fact, several years ago, the Cincinnati Post, which uh, doesn't exist anymore, uh, for Christmas, their Christmas um, paper that they put out, the front page was all good news. And people were furious. And they did it on purpose. And, on the, and they put all of the crime things on the back. And people did not like that at all. Well, well, where's, where's my, and that's what I was talking about. People find comfort in the, in the conflict, and that is really destructive. We need to find comfort in Jesus, in Jesus alone. So if you want peace of mind, we have to be more discerning about what goes into our minds in the first place. But once stuff is there, once stuff is there, focus on the part of it that's honoring to God. Be careful about what you bring in. Be careful about how you spend your time. You know, it's like uh, with, with teenagers that always, that want to go out and watch uh, horror movies. You're going, well, you know what I mean? You know, if you go out and watch a lot of horror movies, you're, 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 you're taking in a lot of that stuff and it's just going to sit in there. You can process it in a healthy way, but you probably aren't going to because you're a teenager. So we just have to be careful. But once stuff is in there, don't fixate on the problems. 
If you find that you're constantly, even in your heart, complaining about things, maybe you don't let it out, good for you. But even if in your heart you're always complaining about things and you're always worried about stuff, dig into that a little bit and find out why. And choose to not fixate on the problems. Choose to fixate on the things that Jesus is doing, the good things. And then live it out and act in a way that shows that you trust God. Because even if things are going bad, you still trust Jesus. That our hope is not here. Our hope is in heaven. Because there's so much good that's going on in the world. There's so much good that's going on in the church. There's so much good that's going on in your life. If you have a prayer request, uh, just quick show of hands. Raise your hand if part of your body is hurting. I got, a, I got a, a back problem right now. Think about all the parts of your body that aren't hurting. Praise God. Praise God. And listen, honestly, if you, if you really can't see what God is doing, if all you see is trouble, there's hope. Jesus said, truly, truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. The Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If that's you today, call on the name of Jesus for forgiveness and commit your life to following him and let him show you the grace and the mercy and the love that you've been searching for your whole life. And Jesus will show you what he's doing, and he will give you his peace. Let's pray.